The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. It's the Cigar Authority After Show, and it's brought to you by Romacraft Tobacco. Since 2010, Mike Rosales and Skip Martin have focused on the simple and time-honored task of combining quality tobacco, experienced craftsmen, and the right amount of time to bring you cigars worthy of the legacy of the centuries of premium cigar craftsmen that came before them. Whether you are revisiting the anti-prohibition era mindset of intemperance or getting in touch with your more primal side with a Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, you are sure to find a blend in the Romacraft house of brands that fits the exact balance of flavor strength and body you are looking for in that moment when you're finally able to take a short break from the world to relax and enjoy a cigar the last thing you need is a complicated sales pitch simple yet substantial tobacco talent time romacraft tobacco the after show the after show the after after show. show it's the after show everybody and today why are there sellouts in the cigar industry why are there sellouts in the cigar industry that's easy people like money it's all for the money? I don't think so. No? So I'll tell you where I, where I got this idea and said, why well, I want to talk about it. Heard rumors of WWE selling out the Saudi Arabia government. <laughs> uh, not yet 100% confirmed, but you heard the story? I think it's going to happen across sports. You know, they got involved with the, with the golf tournament. Uh, what is it? Live, sport, live Golf. Yeah. And they took all the top golf players into that tour. The PGA said... You golfers can't golf with us anymore. It's created a whole rift throughout PGA. Okay. There's now talk they're going to get involved in English soccer uh, or American businessmen are going to get involved be, in English uh, soccer. English football. All right, English football. Yeah. So <laughs> they, want, they want to be big players in sports and sports entertainment. But why are the other pe- people selling out? Well, they want to be in big sports, but they, now they're actually trying to buy a third or fourth generation um, sports company, which is the WWE. Right. Everybody's got a price. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they certainly wrong. They have the money. They're loaded. They're billionaires. But the Saudi McMahon's- Arabia has more money than the McMahon's does. What are you going to do with the extra billions that you already have? Billions. They're not selling it for the money. You think they're selling it for the money? It's only for the money. No. So here's what ended up happening: um, the daughter McMahon resigned earlier this year. The son was in and out of the script. No, it is January 10th. She issued her resignation. Here's the thing. The next generation doesn't want to work. This is what it comes down to. You got Carl Loon's God rest its soul is closing down. It's been there for generations. And we now have the rub. This is where he got the idea for this after show. No, it's, it's he's lamenting Calhouns. You know why Calhouns is selling out? May God for the money. Mercy on for the money. Soul. Is is that why Calhouns is closing for the money? Well, no. The next they came right out and said it. The next generation doesn't want to work. They don't want to do it. I don't want to work all those hours, all those days. When it comes to the WWE, why are they selling out? Because the next generation doesn't want to work. Well, he had to step down because of the sexual harassment, Vince McMahon, and then he came back and he fired his daughter, and the two of them don't get along. That that is the show. That is part of the show. The other thing is uh, a publicly owned company versus a family owned is very different. Mm -hmm. If you've got investors and a big offer comes in, 
they can decide well, to take corp- that. corporate takeover, but they could allow make it not not happen and end up doing it. But it wasn't that it was a corporate takeover. It, it's it's money though for yeah. Why did Twitter companies? sell to Elon Musk? What did what? Why did Twitter sell to Elon Musk? Because he offered enough money and they took it. They wanted the money. The shareholders. They didn't want to give it up. They didn't want to give it up. And the shareholders voted the sale for. This is happening everywhere. The next generation doesn't want to work like a dog, like the past generations. And that's what it comes to. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. But it is what's happening. Uh, There's hundreds of examples of this. Um, De Burroughs in Haverhill. So this is where we ran our anniversary party for years and years. Uh, We did 20 years that we did there. It was three generations. They were here Saturday. Yeah. Why did they sell? For the money? No, no, their children did not want to work like a dog, like their father. They come right out and say it. This is over and over the same exact reason that it ends up happening. Top 10 reasons why business owners decide to sell or close down. Number one, retirement. And if they are going to retire, then the next generation needs to take over. If they don't want it, then they have to end up making, um, if, if they want it for free, by the way. Do you want this for free? No. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. Number two, the company is not making enough money. Not the case in a lot of these things. This is what somebody wants to retire because the company ain't making all that much money anyway. Not the case in these things. Um, relocate. It's getting cold. You're in the wintertime mm-hmm. up here and you're doing your job and you're getting older as it's time and you say, I want to retire because I want to move to Florida, right? That becomes a reason to it. Uh, nowadays, a lot of the businesses can, certainly not a restaurant, but WWE could certainly operate out of Florida if they wanted to. True. Burnout. Uh, 38 years in the business. After a while, you start getting burnt out. You uh, see it certainly with um, employees but can it possibly happen to the owners of companies? Uh, it has health problems, um, other business opportunities where they want to uh, get out of this because of that. Uh, Ed Sullivan, who gave up a financial career in the computer business uh, to host, uh, to run the board. It's on more the fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think he needs psychiatric help. But just saying. Um, uh, your business is at a high point. Uh, sometimes people look at businesses; they're at their peak, and they say, "Let me go out." No, that on would top. be so. That would be the case of, say, a guy like Mike Cusano, who all the instincts that he had as a money guy said, "It's time to sell." He regretted it. He's a, he's a finance guy, so you sell and, high, buy low. You right? know, some yeah. Sometimes the owners can see further down the line, sure, that there isn't the opportunity for growth. So sell it to the people who can't sure. see that yet. And when we get to our episode where uh, the conspiracy of uh, these things, you're going to hear a lot of this coming in. But uh, number eight is uh, partner problems. If you have partners and problems that happen, we we did, was a guy downstairs. Uh, a couple of days ago, I had a long talk with him that he was kind of pushed out of his business yeah. uh, from his partners. Uh, death of uh, the owner of the business um, and uh, looking for a change. Uh, these are the ways, the reasons why people decide to do it. But I'm going to say here in 2023, the number one reason for the sellout is because the next generation doesn't want to work all that hard, even if they're given the golden key to the place for free. They just don't have the strength and character to be able to pull it off. Absolutely. It's time for incredible feats of strength. 
Brought to you by Camacho Cigars. For six decades, Camacho have been working hard to build the best damn cigar around, and they have gotten through it all by sticking to their vision. The strength to do anything they set their hand to. Camacho Cigars. So Mr. Jonathan has a new strength and character segment. Oh, I can hardly wait. And we're going to get to the cigar industry part of what I'm talking about, dear, but he's now that we ended up doing this. I did six six months on sports, and I think I'm out of questions to ask Google about sports. I I don't have any more sports questions. Strength and character. So these are the top jobs that it takes strength and character to keep. Ah. Isn't that interesting that it ties in with this a bit? So... Cigar Authority producer, is that on there? This is the top what? Uh, that might be closer to the top I of the list. Think. This is the top what? This is the top jobs it takes strength and is, character is there a certain number? to keep. Uh, at the moment, I have 17. <laughs> the top 17. Might be well, here's thing. what happened. I found a list that had the top 35. Some of them were repeats, and some of them were just plain stupid, and they didn't make sense. So I eliminated the stupid ones. I eliminated the duplicates. So and this, combined is the best of, of, this, is, <laughs> this is the best. Look at number 17. I don't think that would have made my list. But. All right. And that's going to well, be – I was going to start off. I'm going to learn you, right now. I think you're going to disagree. Dance instructor? Number 17 <laughs> of the top jobs it takes strength and character to keep. Telemarketer. Yes, I would say yes. Uh, I'd say it's lack of education, but okay. Average salary. Have you, have you salary. done it? No, and I would never do it because I'm educated. <laughs> it's brutal. When they're when they good at it, yeah. they're good at it, man. Talk about a skill. Um, I don't even have to talk. I don't have to uh, read my write-up or anything. Go, go These ahead, two go jackasses ahead. will do it go for ahead. me. I hang <laughs> up on them instantly. That's a very interesting, very interesting one right off the top. The average salary is $30,930, and the number of people with this job in the United States is 117610 approximately. Uh, when was the last time you bought something from a total stranger who cold called you during dinner? Never. Likely never. As mm-hmm. telemarketers have a success rate of 1 to 3%. That's As right. one of the jobs that people love to loathe, telephone salespeople can barely make their pitch before someone screams, not interested, mm-hmm. and ends the call. In addition to hostile voices they encounter on the phone, telemarketers consistently worry about their job security and have abysmal working conditions where they go long hours without breaks and get constant coaching or harassment from their supervisors. Telemarketer. You you know a lot about this. My sister is a manager of about six telemarketing call centers. And she is a rock star. She started off as a telemarketer and she made less than 30,000 and she worked her way up to the head person and then became the slave driver a manager and then became She's wealthy manager of the call center and now she may or may not have a million dollars liquid in the, her checking account hmm. unbelievable she should move it out of the checking account but she does she doesn't do the annoying telemarketing she does the ones that you opt in on where uh, somebody want they click a box and they say they want information about furthering mm. their education, for example. Right, totally so different. They're so qualified. Her campaign yeah. people are there to super qualify the candidates and then pass them off to the correct college. Hmm. Um, you you mentioned uh, Cusano earlier and Jeff Aronson. If you happen to be listening, I know you listen to the show. He uh, he's out of the cigar industry now. He um, because Cusano was sold off. But he was, that's what he did for Cusano. He was the for, boss. I don't know, 15 years. 
I used to go see them down in Florida, and I said, can I go sit next to him for a little while and watch him work? And it was unbelievable. It was the most talented thing that I ever saw because it, the fact of the matter is 99% of the people are going to hang up on you, say something rude, whatever it's going to be, and then you got to pick it up and go again. And he was like, it was unbelievable. Well, he also had the ability to develop a rapport with somebody in an unbelievably short amount of time. And if I'm not mistaken, if memory serves, he had notes on all of his customers. Everything. So if they mentioned that their mom was going in for a surgery, he had that in his notes and yeah. he would say, ah, oh, just wondering how your, uh, yeah. how your mom's doing. Oh, she and, died. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah put it down. With, with that exception, when but they, be able to get their guard down and be yeah. able to generate an order. When they call me, I let them go on for a bit and I tell them slow down that Mr. Stein is a deaf mute and I have to translate this all through sign language. Totally messes them up. (laughs) I wish Jeff was here still doing it because I had done it with Ed Santamaria when he started with me because they were operating out of Boston at the time. And I said, Ed, you got to go over there and watch this thing. Barry, I would love you to go there for a month and and watch somebody like this in action. This is different than your average telemarketer. This is qualified sales. If somebody's checking a box, wants to find out information about How'd something. How'd they get the name and address to begin different. with? How'd they get the name and the, address well, and the, phone number to begin the, with? Of course, the one all where of Jonathan's, them. They're all qualified. Uh, they're so angry. You're, you're not calling somebody. Because they waste my time. They're pieces of shit in life. This is the problem. Cool. This is this is the problem. This is your problem, to be honest with you. Uh, Telemarketing should be illegal. Absolutely not. It is it is an unbelievable skill. When Trevor and I get a good one on the phone, we let the guy go through his whole pitch. Oh my god! I've, I've said him, it to people before. And yeah. say, you are freaking dynamite, man. This, You're that awesome. was a great pitch. Uh, unfortunately, it's not the right product for us. We don't sell marijuana, but you, listen, if you ever decide you want to sell cigars, and, and you know why there's te- a job here for and you. And you know why he telemarketed us? Because the name of the store is Two Guys Smoke Shop. Mm-hmm. So we thought we'd be marijuana. Who Correct. Yeah. And, and have the thing. So we were somewhat qualified because mm-hmm. that's the mailing list that the guy attended and then ends up coming on it. And have I bought stuff from a telemarketer? 100%. And some of those companies that I bought from a telemarketer, I give in excess of a half a million dollars a year to them every fucking year. That's a, so to the stage. That's a direct sales. It's different than telemarketing. They call me on the phone. Getting I never saw from a fucking India trying to sell me something. No. Stop wasting my time. No. It's, it's, this is nobody coming in, somebody calling me on the phone, doesn't know who I am, doesn't know anything about me, and says, listen, I happen to have this brand, Perdomo. Would you like be, be interested at all to buy it? And I said, all right. That's send me, business send me, send to send business sales. It's different than telemarketing. It's telesales. Telemarketing and telesales are different. Wrong. No, it's funny that you say that, Barry, because I went through 35 of them, and that wasn't one of the repeats. Mm-hmm. It was just telemarketing. All right. Anyway, let's let's get back to our regular scheduled program. <laughs> While Barry uh, calms down. Because as much as I thought this was ridiculous, the number one one is very, very interesting um, and, and um, for a lot of reasons. Anyway. Um, that was number 17, by the way. They so get better after that. We got to wait about 16 weeks to see what she you're talking know. about. Oh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, why are there sellouts in the cigar industry? Why? We're talking about the cigar industry. Um, in recent, and I'm going to say recent, my lifetime in the cigar industry, Villazon was a company, mm-hmm. and they owned Punch and Hoy de Monterey. They were sold. Why were they sold? They were sold because the next generation didn't want it, and that's a fact. 
why they ended up doing it. And and part of the reason becomes they became very wealthy at that time, those those two guys that owned Villazon. And the next generation, they, they formed uh, different things in the cigar industry as time went on. And the next generation simply didn't want it. And they said, okay, um, we're going to have to sell out. So they did. General Cigar, which is who they sold to, uh, was also sold. Why were they sold? Because the next generation didn't want it. This is Edgar Cullman. And Edgar Cullman's son was the number two shareholder of Philip Morris in the world. He was huge. And when his uncle died, he became the number one shareholder. His son was so wealthy, he was more wealthy than his father, who was a multi-billionaire. And his grandson was wealthy. There was nowhere for it to go. And I know these particular people personally, and there was no way that they were going to go through the grind. Drew Estate, why was that sold? There was no next generation. They didn't have children yet. I'm going to say that was also the money, but okay. They owed almost as much money as they ended up selling for. They, they didn't walk away with a big, big, giant amount, if you notice. He still works still there. Working. Um, Nat Sherman, why was that sold? Well, it was acquired because of the cigarettes, so the money. No? No, because um, we have Nat Sherman, and then you have Joel Sherman that took took it after there. Then they became very, very wealthy at that point. And I know the next generation, all three of them, and at that point, they don't want to do it anymore. They have all the money, and they say, we don't want to do this anymore, so sell it. Okay, Oliva. The next generation didn't want to do it. Jose Oliva wanted to get into politics. politics. Didn't want to do this anymore. This one I'll give you. Drew State, I'll give you. Every one of them. Parodi. Parodi cigars got acquired by uh, Toscano. What happened? And I know these old guys. Hang on. Hang on. I know the answer to this. <laughs> yeah. The go ahead. next generation didn't want to do it. There we go. All this right. is what it comes down to. So uh, the question is, what has the value of the company? Is it the brand? Is it the business or land in the cigar industry, is it the company? Is it the brand? Not the company. It's the brand. It's the brand and the branding therein. Or is it the real estate? Sometimes these things, it's real estate. Uh, that somebody buys right. a company, acquires their real estate, and the, the, um, it has more value than the company itself, and they, they get rid of it. When, when, when we see something like a Tarano that was sold, mm. and then he did nothing with it. No, they. What did they want? Did they want the warehouse? Did they want the um, farms? Farms, and it wasn't the brand at all. Mm-hmm. You know why are these things? And I got lots of thoughts that a lot of people, and you're going to hear it in our upcoming shows. A lot of people are looking to be sold. A lot of people are looking to be buying. What does end up happening? And and if you want to follow the thing, look at the next generation and say, wow. There's no place for them to well, go. How much of this, too, is the fact that owning a business in the cigar business is becoming increasingly more difficult? So maybe somebody just gets tired of the grind and they can take the paycheck, take it in one lump sum. And do what? 
Because let's face it. I know everybody's dream is to sit on the beach with the umbrella and think that this is the way it is. But say the next generation is a 25-year-old kid. What the hell are you going to do? And you're just going to bleed through your family's wealth? till Virtually none of the deals that we've seen in recent time would not have yielded the same payout after 10 years. And they get to keep the money. And they get to keep the company. And they all live 10 years. It's called a multiple. And the multiple within... The cigar industry has been between 8 and 12, meaning whatever they profit at the end of the year that goes into the pocket after taxes, goes into the pocket of the owner before taxes, that number times what is what the value of the company is, times 8. So in 8 years, this guy would have had it all, or on the high end, 12. In 12 years, the guy would have had the company and all the money at the same time. The next generation doesn't want it. The guy is 80 years old now, or the guy can't do it. I can't hold on for eight more years to get all the money still. There's got to be a point of, all right, I'm not going to go any further. This is the point. Let me get round number 10. Let me get my next 10 so years So then nobody, nobody is buying Padron because the next generation is in there. Granted, George is your age, but, I mean, he's still got 20 more years to go. Yeah. Based on his dad, sure, at least that, more. Um, uh, who would – so uh, that's a good question. Um, who's it going to? Um, um, like a Padron, and we met uh, George's son, yep. and we know um, a lot of the, pe- the family in there. There's the next generations are lined up. Egan Orsalief, he's getting up there in age. He's in his 70s. His son is interested. We mm-hmm. talked. We talked about him to him. He's all in. You're going to start hearing about his son. Um, Aging Room, Rafael Nadell. Aging Room is a brand, and Rafael Nadell is running Altadas. But um, that would be up to Altadas to end up. You know, you don't take a CEO of a company and make his son the CEO. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't right. work that way. But on the Aging Room brand, Raphael's son could possibly keep keep that brand going. Alec Bradley, it certainly looks like Alec and Bradley uh, are all set up and going, and that's not going to go away. Artista, um, Ram Rodriguez, who is already the front man in there, that is the son uh, taking over there. E.P. Carrillo, do we see the daughter, the son, both? It seems like Lizette's getting out there more yeah. recently. Yeah. You know, the son, he's been in and out, in right. and out. Yeah, she's been the constant. Yep. Yeah. Uh, La Flor Dominicana. Yeah, his son's. You see you talking and you see with uh, the one beneath him. Yes. Lito Jr. Lito Jr. Yeah. Um, I can see why that was difficult for you to remember. I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah. we, we know Perdomo is, is Nicholas. It's not, it's not going in JRE, his daughter's getting involved in yeah, that now. Yeah, you see that. Um, and um, none of those, well, with the exception, I would say, maybe of an Agonosa leaf, although it's not even that old, um, and there's lots of money in different different ways. So there's a possibility we could have some female CEOs of cigar companies mm-hmm. yeah. coming up. If, if they do it or they sit back it's, and somebody makes the offer of 12 times earnings <laughs> and uh, they look at their dad and they say, are you crazy? Take the money <laughs> because it's theirs. And uh, 12 years is enough. And, you know, 
let, let's assume just for a round number, they make a, a million dollars net net at the end of this thing. It's $12 million, and now money works for money. All right. What about Christian? Was that just money? Christian has three sons. Right, but the but original sale. sale. He's a businessman, and it was time to do it. Yeah, he said it was, to me, he said it was irresponsible not for me to take the money. <laughs> Correct. Right. It, it was that big enough of a thing and didn't want to leave and start it up again. And you know something? Well, he hung out for he, four or five years anyways. He worked yeah. for them for all that time. No, less than a year. That's it? Less than yeah. a year, yeah. Uh, as Cusano, same thing, less than a year. I don't know I don't know if he made a month. The problem is they end up regretting selling it yes. and they can't stand watching what's being done. And, and the startup again is very, very difficult because it's the grind of the beginning. It's not like you jump back in where you left off. It's day one. Cold calling, uh, going full circle here, I'm making a phone call and Christian even said it to me. I'd, I'd call people I knew and say, hey, Bill, it's me. Blah, blah, blah. I'm selling. He goes, who's this? It's, it's Christian. You stayed at my house in Honduras. Uh, yeah, send me some samples. What? I still say that's direct sales and not telemarketing. <laughs> <laughs> With how many uh, no's Christian got on those first yeah. round of calls, that's telemarketing. Yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, so that is the next generation. Uh, why are there sellouts in the cigar industry? Why are there sellouts in industry right now? The next generation doesn't want to do it. So that changes everything. You're going to hear so much more um, on our episode when I get that crystal ball out. And things are going to start making sense to you uh, as I uh, try to make sense or, to myself. Or, or they'll be more confusing. Or confusion could be more. Okay, that's it. Uh, next week on the Cigar Authority, episode 666, The Beast. Uh, 666 episodes, and we'll, we'll talk about that and more next week on the Cigar Authority. Stick the lid end in your mouth. You might like it. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.